Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I am your host, Mark Shapiro. Let's start off with a quick thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this episode of Explore the Space podcast is Dr. Kelly Wong. Dr. Wong is an emergency medicine physician. She's in her fourth year of her residency at Brown University, and she is the founder of Patient Voting. This is part of our run up to the 2020 general election. And this project that Dr. Wong has created is really remarkable. It is designed to facilitate people who are hospitalized on election day being able to vote. Every state has guidelines for this. Every state has rules for this and a process by which it can happen. This is something I never knew about. I've been a practicing physician for a while. I've never heard of this, and I'm delighted that Dr. Wong has, first of all, created this program, which you can find at www.patientvoting.com. We've got all the links in the show notes, and that she's mobilized this incredible team of pre-meds and medical students and residents and people who are doing all sorts of other education and training to be part of this project. It is really exciting. It's really remarkable. And I'm delighted that she came on. It's more important than ever as we watch COVID-19 surge across the United States in the run-up to election day as well. Before we get to this really wonderful conversation with Dr. Wong, please do check out the episode of Explore the Space podcast at www.explorethespaceshow.com. Email me anytime you want, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. Dot com, and you can find me on Twitter at ETS show, wherever you like to download your podcast, please subscribe to explore the space and please leave us a rating and a review. So really appreciate that. If you have a chance to do it, that really means a lot. And it definitely helps us out. There are all sorts of remarkable innovations and activations that are happening in the run up to the 2020 election. And this patient voting project that Dr. Wong and her whole team have created is really something special. You're going to really enjoy listening to this. Please check out the website. Please think about how you might be able to utilize it if you are in medicine and you work in a hospital. And if you know somebody who is hospitalized as well, this is something you can ask about. So without further ado, Dr. Kelly Wong. Kelly, welcome to Explore the Space podcast. I am so happy that you're here. This is cool. Mark, thanks for having me on. We were joking before we started, and I said, you know what? I don't script the show. I don't know what I'm going to ask you. And then I actually asked you, I think, a really good question. I've been looking at this website, patient voting. I've been getting a better understanding of it just in these last few weeks in the run-up to the 2020 election. Who are you? What What is going on? This is unbelievable. 
I think a lot of people, when they see patient voting and they see that I like founded patient voting, they assume that I had a political background. Like, I think they assume I was the kid that went and did like a summer in D.C. and, you know, I've been involved in like campaigns before. But I was a very casual voter prior to this. And I actually just fell into this because there was a knowledge gap that I saw. That is absolutely fascinating. So I didn't think that I, I thought that you were like lightning bolted down from above to fill that need. I, I was like, I've never heard of something like this taking shape with this size and scope. And before we get into like the, how did this happen? When I kind of get hyperbolic about size and scope, it's important that people understand this full transparency. I just learned about patient voting, the actual website, this platform that you've created, just like two weeks ago. And I reached out and said, let's get, let's get you on the show. Give us a sense though. What is this? What is this entity? What have you created here? So, you know, it did start small and it's, it's definitely grown. So patient voting is a nonpartisan volunteer based organization that I founded in 2018, just prior to the midterms last in, you know, two years ago. And so the goal is basically to help patients who are unexpectedly hospitalized around election day vote from their hospital bed using an emergency absentee ballot. And you know, most people are familiar with a regular absentee ballot. It's, you know, what college students use and the military uses when they know they're going to not be present on election day to go to the polls. But for somebody like you or me who maybe thought we might go to the polling place on election day and then something happens where we end up in the hospital, this is what an emergency absentee ballot is for. It's for that period of time after that regular absentee voting deadline to election day. And here's something that I will share. And I share this with equal parts excitement and equal parts sadness. I finished residency in 06, 2006. I've been an attending ever since. My sadness comes from the fact that I am just hearing about this now. All those years have gone by. All those doctors that I've worked with all around the country, the smartest, kindest, most engaged, most interested in their patients that you would ever hope to want to work with. It's never come up. I've not heard yeah, of this it, before. So that's the sadness. The flip side is, oh my gosh, look at what you're helping us to better understand. This is really cool. Now for the rest of our careers, we've got this. Exactly. And, you know, nobody told me this during my medical education. And it was pretty much a patient that pointed this out to me. During the last presidential election, I was still in med school. And as you know, in the emergency department, when we say, you know, I'm very sorry, but you're probably going to have to be, be admitted to the hospital. You're going to have to stay for a couple of days, is my guess. You know, sometimes you hear people say, oh, I can't be admitted to the hospital. I need to go home to, you know, do X, Y, or Z, yeah, you know, take yeah. care of my grandmother, yeah, you know, yeah. let my dogs out. Yeah. And I understand those things. But I until the presidential election in 2016, never heard somebody say, I can't be admitted for my NSTEMI. I need to go home and vote and like leave AMA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't either. You know, for the, yeah. the, 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 how many election cycles have I been a physician for it? Actually, I have not heard that yet. And, you know, I looked at that patient and I was so taken aback, basically, because I'm the person that cries when, like, Tom Hanks talks about the Constitution <laughs> in uh, what's that spy movie that he did. But any kind of patriotic, patriotic part in a movie, I just yeah. And But, you know, it's, it didn't seem fair to me that there wasn't a process for patients to vote in the hospital. And once I started researching, it, I realized most states do have a process. We just don't know about it. And then our patients don't know about it if we don't tell them. So from there, especially with this election, 
have you found if you you started this in 2018 i would imagine and i, and I hate to guess but i want to because it'll just kind of spark i, I want to see what you think about this i would imagine that there has been a surge of interest over the last few months around the patient voting project Yes. And I, you know, I think part of that is people are more interested in general in general elections than they are, you know, midterms. But uh, I think this year, if any, with COVID has, you know, elections have been in the news more, uh, like different ways that you can vote, vote safely, vote early. And so I think people are a little bit more familiar that there might be other ways for them to vote other than the classic, like go to the polling place on election day. But we're definitely getting a lot more inquiries earlier than we did during the midterms. So yes, we've seen a huge surge. And then that brings us to where we are now, right? By the time this episode goes up, we're going to be close to, you know, we're going to be less than two weeks away from election day. And we'll obviously have links to the website and, and the various tools that exist there. But every state my understanding is every state has its own regulations about how to obtain the emergency absentee ballot. Where we are now, are we still in a place where physicians and nurses and healthcare administrators can reach out to individual patients, can do organization within their hospitals and medical groups to actually still utilize this tool? It's definitely not too late. You know, I think I've we've set up the website so that you, if you have a single patient, you could download all the materials you need on a case-by-case basis. But there's definitely still time to organize on kind of a, a larger institutional level if you wanted to. And what are the most common questions you're getting from people who find this website, you know, through social media, through any number of different ways, word of mouth, you know, hopefully this podcast, what are the common questions you're getting so we can sort of lay out maybe some of those answers now? I think from medical providers, it's a lot of questions about, you know, I don't, I see what you have on your website on patientvoting.com, but I don't see that on the state elections website. Can you kind of like talk me through that? And I think that's been one of the biggest problems and kind of why we started this website in the first place is it's really, really hard to find these processes on the state election websites. Even in states where you know it exists and you can look up the state election code and you can look up the state laws and you see that there's a process. You know, I spent hours on my laptop with 20 tabs open on like, you know, whatever state election search, (laughs) trying to look up like hospitalized patient, medical emergency, vote from the hospital, vote from, you know, home safely. And you just can't find it on there. So that's been kind of the question from medical providers is the kind of mismatch between what they're seeing on our website versus what they're seeing on the election website. And then mostly from patients, I think they are hoping that somebody can help them locally. And so that's really where, you know, building a network has been kind of one of our goals in the future to have people in different states that are more familiar with that state's process or can coordinate with somebody at a local hospital to actually like be in person to help that patient or their patient family. And as you're watching the news and we're all seeing the same data points and we're all seeing the same curves and graphs around COVID-19 and hospital admissions and all of these sorts of things, are you expecting more demand as we get closer to election day simply because of that variable? Definitely. I think, you know, this year has highlighted that anybody could be hospitalized. When I first imagined this program, I kind of thought of it more as, 
you know, I'm worried about the patients that have repeat visits for, you know, a CHF exacerbation. And they're more likely to be hospitalized around the election because they're they're hospitalized frequently or something like that. But, yeah, you know, yeah. this year it could be anybody. And, you know, at the time that we are recording this, you or I or anybody still has time to be exposed, have an incubation period, get sick and end up in the hospital. So I think, you know, I want everybody to hear about this and tell all their friends and families, because who knows? And what resistance points have you met as you got this started? It's been a little over two years. It sounds like that you've been working on this project and growing the project. Where have you met resistance? Where have you found friction? So I think from a grassroots level, people are very, very excited to bring this to their their institution. And I've been so lucky that I basically experienced no friction at my own institution. Um, so I was pretty taken aback when, you know, other people who wanted to start it at their own hospital were met with opposition, basically, from the C-suite. And I think, you know, you you talk about this is an election and we're going to try and help people vote. And a lot of hospitals feel like that is too political for them to take a stance on and, and help patients. And for me, I think you can be I think you can be political, but nonpartisan. And that's really what we are. We want people to be more civically engaged. But I think it's really important that we're encouraging all patients equally that we see and giving the equal opportunities to everyone. But that's been the number one barrier has been having hospitals approve it. It's going to be really interesting to see if that changes. I can imagine that that is indeed the case. I think if you were to have asked me the same question, hey, Mark, what do you think is the most common friction point? I would have probably said the same thing. I think there's just yeah. – we, we have an opportunity to really level up in our sophistication and our understanding of what it means to be political within the practice of medicine. There's a lot more nuance to it, right? Like you said – we're political, but it is a nonpartisan brand. And that that exists. That's very real, as you, I think, have done a wonderful job of of crystallizing. And there's just that level up. It's just another level of sophistication. And I think we'll look at 2020 as a real pivot point where we realize that we need to make that next level of sophistication as opposed to using the blood instrument that has been there for generations. Don't get political conversation over. Right. You know, I remember looking four years ago when I started looking into whether or not patients could vote. And there really wasn't a lot. And I remember, you know, you were you you've been on Twitter for a while, I assume. I've been on Twitter for, you know, enough, enough. I don't know. Yeah. You made me feel very self-conscious there all of a sudden. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on since I think 2015. But um, I remember it used to be very voodoo to, you know, put your political comments out there along with your quote unquote professional Twitter account. Um, That used to be a huge no, no. And I think this year, you know, people have, you know, decided to take a stance. One Can of I the go other, back to yeah, uh, please do. Yes. something else about the COVID questions? Yes, please do. So with all of the hospitalizations for COVID, I've actually gotten a lot of questions from, you know, social work people working at hospitals saying, we have the patient, we have their ballot, but if we bring the ballot into the patient, we can't bring it out. Now what? Whoa. Interesting. So just yesterday I was on, I made a couple calls to Washington, Washington's Board of Elections offices to try and work with them about a specific patient who uh, we want, he really wanted to vote. And uh, so we were able to actually find a way, which is awesome. Wow. So again, we need to get to a place where it doesn't 
rely on a phone call to Dr. Wong and then Dr. Wong calling the election board of a state that's on the other side of the continental United States to lobby for one patient. We have we have many levels of sophistication that we need to grow to do this right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of room for kind of identifying barriers in the future. I think that's like our goal for the next four, eight years. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that's really striking to me about patient voting as well, the project as well, is, you know, I was talking with Alice Chen from Doctors for Biden. And one of the things that she and I were reflecting on, because she and I went through medical school and training at relatively similar times. I think I maybe was two years ahead of her or something like that. That as medical students and residents, this was not something any of us did. But when I go to the patient voting website and I look at the who we are page and or the, you know, the, the, the our team link, mm-hmm. it's all medical students. It's all yes. residents. It's amazing. It really is. And I think it's pre-meds too. I mean, it's, it's, you know, people who are in PA school, I'm scrolling through it right now. It's, it's phenomenal. So ED techs, yeah. we're having social work, directors of patient experience. You are tapping um, into something that's really exciting for the generation of doctors and doctors to be behind mine. It's it's really remarkable. Yeah, future medicine is bright and it's younger than me. <laughs> what what why? What is the what is, what is the offer there? What is what's drawing them, do you think? I don't I mean maybe, you know, just timing wise is you know, since 2000, uh, you know, there's been a lot of discord about mismatch between the Electoral College and popular vote. And maybe they've just grown up with we either need to be active and change things or just kind of accept the election results. And maybe they're just a little bit more used to this political activism at work also. Do you guys as a group ever reflect on this? Do you ever sort of look around and say, gosh, we're we are in a younger demographic, not knowing everyone's we, age, but just saying, look, we're all early career, at least. What's up? Why? Are, why is it us? I don't know. I didn't really notice until you pointed it out. But I was blown away by it. I was like waiting to see, you know, the faculty mentor or something like you guys don't need a faculty mentor. You guys are crushing <laughs> it. You guys no, are the faculty mentors at this. They're coming to me with what research projects they want to do. I was going to say, you guys know more about this than anybody. Yeah. They're the experts on this. They're the ones that have talked to all the boards of elections. Like they're phenomenal. That is so cool. So what do you foresee for the next two weeks as we come up to election day, as we come up to November 3rd, what's your wish list with patient voting? I mean, I always say that my ultimate goal with patient voting is for it to be obsolete. Um, And maybe that's not that's definitely not this year. But, you know, I would love to go talk to patients this year because we're just kind of starting on that uh, emergency absentee voting timeline here in the state. I'd love to go talk to patients and have them say, oh, don't worry about it. I already voted. Like, I think that's ideal. I already voted in a safe, early manner. Right. Great. (laughs) My job is done. My job didn't even start. That's perfect. Yeah. I I do anticipate hearing a little bit more of that actually this year, but I think in the next two weeks, it's going to ramp up and we're going to have a lot more of those kind of COVID isolation case by case basis, because previously it was, oh, follow the standard protocol of the state. And now it's every situation is different, whether or not it's, you know, family members that have to serve as an authorized representative to pick up the ballot, can't get into the hospital because of visitor policies because of COVID. 
there's a lot more barriers to this than there had been in the in the past. There's of, a lot more barriers. I agree with yeah. you. And what I would say for my wish list, it would be acknowledging that I'm just learning about it now is for what time we have left, it would basically just be as many people engaging with it as possible. But for the next go around, you know, the 2022 midterms, the next general election, I would like to see our big organizations providing patients with the information up front. So as soon as the deadlines mm-hmm. are, as soon as the windows are open for, for emergency ballots in any state that just like, you know, when you get admitted to the hospital, you've got some paperwork to complete or your family has yep. some, that this is part of it. And they say, here's one of your options. If you would like, if you, you know, if you can apply for this, that sort of thing. I think that getting that level of sophistication is going to be really, really important where it just becomes standard work. Right. And, you know, maybe my local hospital can set like a a guideline on this. This is what we're doing. We, every admitted patient is receiving a flyer. Wow. And I think that's awesome. That is totally awesome. It's so inspiring. It's really remarkable. I think that after this election, I, I, Man, you're going to have such an incredible career and you're going to have so many cool things you get to do. Write the stuff, you know, blog about it, podcast about it, get on the news. Like you've really tapped into something very important here. And the experiences that you've learned are going to make it easier for other people to replicate it. And most importantly, for patients who are admitted and don't obviously want to be in the hospital, they can still vote. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, Mark, just like you said earlier, I think when you thought that hospitals kind of administration and improving this like political program was the biggest barrier, all of these hospitals are wondering what other hospitals are doing. They all want to really? hear what the other big systems are yes. doing. Yes. They need other people to have done it first. Yeah, yeah. So That's I think it's, it's a trickle and then hopefully it'll open up in the future, like you said. And I like how on the website it says who's doing it. You've listed some really big organizations that are on the patientvoting.com website that have I'm adopted trying. this. Yeah. And look, it's that's how it starts. These are big, big organizations and anyone can obviously go there, www.patientvoting.com, and you can see them for yourself and you're going to see names that you recognize. Adding more every day. That's so cool. So how do people find this? Individual physicians, nurses, family members of somebody who may be admitted to the hospital. How do they find patient voting? How do they find out more information, not just about this project, but about specifically the state that they're in? Yeah. So if you go to patientvoting.com, if you go to patientvoting.com slash states, or there's also a way to get to it from like how to vote, basically, it's really important because every state is so, so different. Yes. The deadlines are different. The way in which you have to get your application to the election officials is different. So what we've done is create a state page that has the deadlines, that has the process, has a printable state flyer PDF with the step-by-step instructions. And then where possible, where there has been a, you know, application posted to the state election website, we've put that on our website in a Google folder. So hopefully we've put most of those important materials all together so that healthcare workers, whoever's social work, friends or family aren't going to 10 different websites to all download things. And we'll have links to all of that in the show notes for this episode as well. Kelly, this is remarkable. The fact that you have kind of just put this project on your shoulders and built this incredible team of, you know, the next generation and the current generation of young physicians and physicians to be and PAs to be and techs. And it's really exciting. I am feeling so inspired. It's sort of that shot in the arm in these last two weeks before the election. This is awesome work. Thank you for doing it. And thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. My thanks once again to Dr. Wong for joining us. 
on Explore the Space podcast to talk about the patient voting project. Definitely take a look at the links in the show notes. Learn about this. If there's time before this election and there is still time, please make use of it and definitely start to integrate it into your regular workflows because it's going to be around these rules and laws around people who need an emergency ballot have always been there. We're just learning about it now. Thanks also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's executive MBA and executive fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. We've done a ton of content around the election. Please take a look at the archive. We're getting closer and closer to election day. Please make sure you make a voting plan. Please help your friends and teammates and colleagues and family make a safe voting plan. If you can vote early, take advantage of that opportunity we're coming down to the wire. So this is the time to make sure all of those pieces are in place so that you can cast your ballot and that your voice can be heard. As you're doing all of this great work, make sure you wear a mask, make sure you wash your hands, maintain physical distancing, make sure you get your flu shot, take good care of yourselves, take good care of the people around you. We will see you again soon. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.